0: Dana Zinger and Levi Young. What brilliant female entrepreneurs. So Dana and Levi are based in London and are the co-founders of Enclothed, the online men's personal shopping service that uses both data and personal stylists to understand men's styles, sizes and preferences, curating outfits from their favourite brands and delivering them to their doorstep. Whatever they like, they keep. Whatever they don't like, they leave. And Clothed has been featured almost everywhere on Dragon's Den, in Men's Health UK, GQ, British Airways, Business Insider, and Time Out London. I could keep going. So both Dana and Levi themselves are Forbes 30 Under 30 recipients of 2016. It was my absolute pleasure to sit down and speak with both Dana and Levi in London several months ago and learn of their story and the importance of starting before it's perfect. Take a listen. Levi, Dana, welcome to The Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. No problem. Thank you for having us. Of course. So, you know, I reached out to your, your PR manager when I heard about you on the Forbes City Under 30 um, of Europe 2016. And what struck me about your business in Clothed um, was the fact that This is the first ever fashion delivery service for men that I've ever heard of. Um, So I knew I had to sit down and and speak to you both. So I really appreciate you both being here today. No, no problem at all. It's, you know, again, like I said, a pleasure to be here. Perfect. So, but before we get into your work, I'd love to start with a question, which I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what did your parents do? And in what way has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and your career so far? Okay, so
1: I'll go first. Um, My parents, my dad was actually an 80s singer. Um, So my dad was called Paul Young and he he was a a Brit pop star. Um, My mum was a model. So, I suppose influencing my life was that they were both in the entertainment business, um so I got a lot of um what's the word you know advantages of being around you know that kind of circle of people and learning how to socialize and you know go out to events and I think learn how to deal with different types of people and, and be very very social and I think that's helped um and also I think it gave me a, an element of being confident and fearless because my dad has to get up on stage and do you know things in you know sing sing songs in front of you know huge crowds of people and he does actually get stage fright and he he doesn't he doesn't find it easy I don't think even though he loves what he does and the fact that he gets up every you know all the time and does that it made me feel you know that I could maybe go out and do something as well so yeah yeah
2: uh, so i say my is a little bit different. Um, so my mom was a housewife. My dad was a CEO of a big shipping company. So for me, it was very much a case of business as soon as I was born, I'd say. Um, also very male-dominated business in his world. And I was invited and went along to a lot of different meetings. And, you know, whatever it was, I would attend quite often. I took an interest really, really young. So I think for me, it was very useful to understand how to, I guess, be a woman in such an environment um, and not be faced by it, but also just learning the importance of business from a young age. And that's what led me to be entrepreneurial. Mm,
0: of course. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. So look, you've both obviously come from these backgrounds of, you know, your parents almost being entrepreneurs and kind of going out there and doing something a little different. What do you think were some of the earlier challenges you faced following down this path of entrepreneurship and, you know, maybe perhaps when you headed you know, headed to university. Were there some early ventures that you did that kind of drove you to, to create the business that you that you have today?
2: Um, for me, I think it started quite early when I was at uni, when I did my master's, we had, um, I was at Imperial and they're very big on their entrepreneur society. Um, we were studying business at the time and there was a module in entrepreneurship. So it was very much a focus anyway of, of what we were studying and just the ethos of the university. So for me, it was quite natural progression while I was there to get quite involved in the society itself. We had, um, a lot of kind of weekend events where you would go and pitch a business and people would work on it and actually the early stages of Inclothed was one of those businesses so for me uni really really helped Um, but I think that was just the environment that my university gave me rather than that's what uni's like if that makes sense.
1: Yeah no I mean I agree I think for me I don't think I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur I don't know how I became one Um, but um, I think I I think I just always enjoyed challenging myself we were brought up like that at at my home you know we would always go on adventure holidays or you know touring across America or things like that so any kind of challenges or anything like that really you know excite me Um, and when I met Donna she was at Imperial doing this entrepreneurship course and talking about starting businesses and just as friends we'd get together and be like we could do this and this would happen and how exciting would that be um and really it all stem from there, but I never had aspirations as a child of I'm going to grow up and run my own business. That wasn't what I thought I'd be. Um, I enjoyed riding horses and probably thought I was going to be a professional show jumper. Um, and then, and yeah, and really I've stumbled into it, but I think Donna had a bit more of a business upbringing and then her uni really drove that and meeting her and becoming friends with Donna meant that then I got to
0: experience a bit of that myself. So, yeah. I think I love that about your duo that's going on here because it's it's that you know, we always get often get told, you know, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? And some of us have that clear vision and it's, you know, perhaps more evident from earlier on, like Tina, but then, you know, yourself, Levi, it's like, I'm, you know, you're not too sure, you just kind of see what happens. And so I love that. What advice would you give to perhaps one of our peers out there listening who doesn't have that kind of clear path of vision of where they want to be? What advice would you give to them?
2: I think whilst, whilst I was probably driven towards this path, I cannot say by any means that I grew up wanting to be an entrepreneur, just like Leva. and I don't think anyone does have an actual, if they do have a path, fantastic, um, but the majority of us, we don't. We go to school, we go to uni, we pick a subject that maybe we're interested in, and then we see how it goes, and I just think that's the same with us, regardless, yeah. we kind of saw how it went. Um, even when we started the business, it was just take a risk and see how it goes. So to me, it's all about taking risks, kind of believe in yourself, even if, you, you know, I just don't think these things are set in stone and you just try it if you want to and, and hope, you know, it will work. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think, I mean, I completely agree with Donna that I think the one thing we've done is we just take every opportunity so you know one of the reasons why we're here today is you reached out to us and it's like brilliant you know great opportunity to come and do something new again um and the reason why we went on dragon's den you know it was an opportunity and i think for us it's just see see where it goes but just try and say yes to things and if they don't work out then you can rebuild from there um, but just get out there and do it
0: love that advice <laughs> love that
1: it's um, probably not very good advice, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. Perfect. So I'd love to go into and clothe the early years. So, you know, you talked about um, how you kind of met each other and, you know, Dana, you were already on that kind of that path at uni doing things like that. And then yourself, Leva, you were just kind of going along with it. How did this idea come about and how did you know you had to pursue it full time? Well,
1: I mean, to be fair, it was probably... Well, it was Donna, you were at uni, so you should, you should spend the first bit
2: and then I'll spend the second Yeah, bit. so, so one, of the, one of the things we did at uni was a, a weekend course called the Lean Startup Machine, and the idea behind it is pitch a business and without any money without any funding can you get customers to say they'll want to do it can you validate that the business model has a need um so yeah pitch this idea of Enclothe it was really basic it was I think it was a sc- subscription was service for and underwear and, and t-shirts yeah. um But then I would call Levi and ask her for advice in the evenings. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I started getting you know Levi a bit more interested. I think it's really, really important when you're finding a business partner to find someone that has the opposite skills to you, but you share the same vision. Um, And I very much knew that 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 was the dynamic between myself and Levi. So that's kind of how it started. I was asking her for opinions. um, And then eventually it became, you know, this is actually a good idea. Shall we try things and it was should we try certain milestones we're still at work both of us I think I'd now graduated we're both at work um so it was you know can we can we put in place certain milestones that kind of de-risk so can we figure out if suppliers will work with us and then once they said yes can we figure out if there are customers out there let's build you know a little website and see if people will come um and that's how the business started it's very much a case of putting milestones in place. And every time we hit one, we move on to the next one until loads of milestones were hit. And now we have to quit our day jobs and actually do this full time. Um, So it was a very organic approach to it, but it was, I guess, a way for us to de-risk. Yeah, I think it was a bit of working.
1: It was a bit of a fake it before you make it type scenario for for Donna and I. And it was a bit of, um, you know, if we're going to sell men clothes, we're going to need clothes. So, okay, what brands would we stock? And it was a simple case of, just pick up the phone and say okay well you've got to bite the bullet let's call let's call up ted baker and see if if we wanted to if they would be interested in this type of model and if we could stock their clothes um and i was in a sales job at the time so you know during you know my hour downtime i would just pop in these these phone calls to big brands and see if we could get meetings and pitch them a very very rudimentary version of what enclosed was going to be and i think at the time we even called it alpha male we didn't you know we didn't even we hadn't even decided the name um and you know Ted Baker said yeah come in for a meeting and to be honest we couldn't believe it We're like, oh no what do we do now we've got to go <laughs> for a meeting and what do we say to them and we wrote pages and pages and pages of notes on what to talk to them about um, and now they're kind of meetings that we go to all the time with these brands and it, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal but it was such a big deal at first but it was just yeah just see how it goes and then we got our first meeting so we knew we had a brand then we do we have customers we put some stuff out on a forum people said we'll try it um and we were just kind of we were like brilliant so actually we, at the beginning we personally shopped for these people so we ran around Selfridges and bought the clothes and actually sent them to the individuals to see if it would work and when we started getting more and more orders and people keeping it eventually it was kind of like well actually we might, we might need to do this full time and I think we went down part time so we, then we did it part time and we still worked part time and then eventually it got big enough that we needed you know a couple of other people a couple of other employees to help us and we went full time and that's, that's been it
0: wow <laughs> I'm just trying to di- digest that story there that that's just that's just phenomenal. I think that there is so many takeaways from that. I think the first one is, you know, that idea of kind of you said it yourself, you fake it till you make it, but it's almost like until you can really prove to yourself that you can do it. So I guess what advice would you give, you know, to one of our peers out there listening who, you know, potentially has this great idea and, you know, they're working on it at night and they're, they're doing their day job during the day and they're just, you know, they're just not sure where it's going to go and what's going to happen. What, what advice would you give to them in those early stages? Just start. Just do it. If don't wait until your
1: email is perfect, don't wait until your script is perfect. Don't wait until the website is perfect. Just get it out there. You know, we didn't we hadn't confirmed our name, we hadn't done anything, but we just called up those brands and just gave it a go. Because you're gonna learn. And if you don't get a yes first time, you know, you'll get a yes the second time. You're only gonna learn from those mistakes. And I think it was something that we learned very early on is that you can procrastinate on something until it's perfect, but actually when you're a startup, your best best, you know, your best bet is just to learn from your mistakes quickly. So just get some stuff out there. Mm. Just get it done. Mm.
0: So what were some of those early mistakes that you learned from? You, know, you, you did jump straight into it, which I love, and it's clear to me like, why you've progressed so quickly. But what were some of those, those early mistakes? <sighs> Have we got
1: an hour? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: those are mistakes, Donna. I don't know. Mistakes are made every day, aren't they? As long as you learn from them. Um, early mistakes are. I mean, I think obviously
1: we went on after we'd run the business for a year, we went on Dragon's Den. Um, and that was a really great opportunity for us and the business. But one thing we didn't realise, I think, which was something that was probably one of my biggest lessons, was I always thought that it was fine as long as you had the customers. So just get more customers, go out there, get demand. I didn't understand the the failings of when you cannot supply demand. And we had that problem after Dragon's Den. So we had such an influx of customers to the website and the business grew exponentially overnight. It was insane, you know. It was the best form of marketing we could have done, to be perfectly honest. And we'll always be grateful to the show for it. But we suddenly had too many customers. And actually, you don't realise all the silly things that start you know you start struggling with when you can't fulfill demand so that is unhappy customers that's not enough stock that's not even enough paper to supply all the invoices that are going out in the boxes not enough computers for the staff you're hiring it's everything and I think for me scalability was something we learned about our business model I think you know the mistakes happen and they're personal to you as founders and they're personal to your business Um, and that was a mistake of our business and us as founders maybe
2: Yeah, I agree. I think right at the beginning when you're starting, I just don't think there are real mistakes that are made. I really don't. It's a learning. Yeah, I don't think there's such thing. As you grow, you'll find a lot of mistakes that can be avoided, like not funding early enough, not being scalable enough, not looking, not getting the tech that you need for a year from now, just doing it for now. Um, But right at the beginning, I just think just Do it, and you'll learn really, really quickly. Yeah,
0: the biggest mistake would be just not to do it.
2: Yeah,
0: to wait. I I love that mindset, Mm -hmm. and it's it's something that I think we can all take away. I think that I I couldn't agree more. I think that you know if we didn't go out there and try it, and just know that mistakes are going to be made, and it's just how it goes, then we you know we wouldn't achieve anything. So I I just yeah I really want to reiterate that to our listeners, and I do think it's definitely something that we could take away. amazing so let's talk a bit about how you tackled that problem then when you know you had so many customers coming in and you know incredible kind of um traction how did you kind of combat that and kind of get your workforce up and running late nights a couple of tears um
1: and a fantastic team i'm to be honest we had we were a small team but we had hired I think really well at that point and we had a team that was so committed to us and the business that they worked 24 hours a day for about a month, seven days a week. Um, we had staff move into, you know, we had a warehouse, we had to move out to a warehouse and our warehouse was out in Slough and we had, we had some of our, our team move into my grandma's house with me three nights a week so we could put all the stock through the system. Um, that, you know, it was just really hard work and that, you know, and it was also you know, about learning quickly and I think making decisions quickly because at that point we had to understand we couldn't spend time waiting on a decision. You know, do we want to go with this supplier? Do we need this now? Do we need to get get these computers in? Do we need these people to help us? What careers are we going with? Because now we've got 10 times the amount of boxes going out. And you can um and are ah about those decisions for, for, for hours or days. Um, but when you're in a situation like that, it's better just to kind of make it. And if it doesn't work, then make the next one, because you're one step closer to finding the solution. Um, so I suppose that was really yeah. how we dealt with it. Look,
2: I agree. I think having a really good team that shares your vision, but not just, but also on a personal point of view, um, you can get through a lot of challenges. Um, so i I would put most of it down to the team as well yeah and each other it it was
1: important and having a business partner at that time Mm -hmm. there's lots of solo entrepreneurs out there and i really respect them for Mm -hmm. what they do because when you've got a co-founder or a business partner that you can share things with it makes it easy because if i'm having a really bad day donna can come in and be you know say right don't worry, we'll sort that out. Come on, let's get it done. And then the next day she might be having a bad day, but you feel a bit better. So you'll come in and say, listen, we'll smash that. That's fine, don't worry. And it does help to have someone else to bounce off of. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I literally, I love hearing that. And I also think it's that momentum that momentum that you're talking about there, you know, kind of keeping that positive vibe and positive energy. How have you guys managed to do that, do you think? Like, is it just kind of pumping each other up, kind of going at the start of the day, we've got this, this is what our plan is, like, how, what are some strategies that we can use to do that?
2: Yeah, I think, I think there is a lot of that. I think with us, one of our ways is we do a lot of whiteboard sessions. They really help us just to clarify what we're doing because every week somehow you end up feeling a bit, we just did loads this week. There's loads to do next week. I'm feeling confused again. It can happen quite quickly. Um, so we do a lot of them. Um, out of the office days are really helpful. Um, and then again, team, really, really good, strong team is you know one of the major ways of of getting through tough times. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Love that. Perfect. So let's go into the progression of Enclosed. I mean, you guys are everywhere. You were featured on Men's Health, GQ, British Airways, Business Insider, you know, Time Out London. It, the list goes on and on. You guys have obviously been on, you know, Dragon's Den, Forbes 30 Under 30. I think you got also Management Today is 35 Under 35. Honestly, I was blown away. What does it feel like um, to have progressed to this point where you can kind of look back and look back at your struggles and the challenges and the early times and kind of think, yeah, wow, we're we're getting somewhere. How what does that feel like?
1: Oh, I I think honestly, I think it's such a difficult one because you read out that list and I'm and then I'm like, wow, we did do all those things. It's, it's really difficult when you're in the day-to-day running of a business, it's really difficult to remember sometimes actually, you know, the things you have achieved because it still feels like there's so much to achieve. And it is important sometimes to look back and read out a list like that or hear a list like that mm-hmm. and think, oh, actually, we're not doing too bad. You know, we're doing all
2: right, Donna, like, let's keep <laughs> going. Um, no do you know we've had a lot of advisors over the last three years and um, they say the same thing and it is really important they always say celebrate your successes because a really cool piece of press will come out and it's awesome but you don't th- you don't remember it the next day because you know business is usual and you have to stop and celebrate those successes otherwise you do you forget um, but overall I mean yes it has we say it's been an unbelievable learning curve the last four years we we know like we have achieved a lot and we didn't necessarily set out to we didn't think this is what we're going to achieve um so yeah it's amazing but at the same time you do forget to celebrate it you mm. really do mm.
0: i'd love to go deep into what what Enclothed actually is i love that hearing the technology aspect of it and then obviously paired with your personalized stylist can you give us all a bit of a background you know as to what exactly the root of your company is and and kind of what you guys do
2: yeah so include is in essence, a personal shopping service for men. Um, the way they were different, though, is, is that technology focus. So we use data to understand people's purchases, but not just what they're going to like, also what they're not going to like, what's not going to fit them, because that's what other retailers are missing. They're missing a trick. They know exactly what you've bought, but if they don't understand what you didn't buy and why, how can we perfect that? Um, you know, purchase after purchase, season after season. Um, so in essence guys come onto our website and they fill out a quick form what's your size click on images that you like Um, our software turns that into a profile on that customer and our stylist will pick clothes from all the brands we work with we work with over 50 brands now Um, and they send him a box to try whatever he likes he keeps whatever he doesn't he just puts it back in the box and we collect it and the idea is to understand from every single return and every single purchase what he's going to want next time uh, so that every box get better smarter and eventually he just never needs to go anywhere else um so that's the idea behind what we do that's great
0: so interesting talk me a bit about how you built this software and kind of i looked at i saw that you joined with a with a technology consultancy firm how did you yeah how was that process what was that process like
2: a lot of iteration um at the beginning it was pretty blank canvas right what in as a basic form what do we need to know about our customers in order to make really good decisions um but but customers are very good as well at telling you things because they want the service better for them that data exchange becomes really important to a customer when they understand what they're getting back so if they know okay if i give people this information it will get better next time they give it to you so we actually learned a lot about what the Tech And the data build needed to be from the customers themselves, um, and then we continue to involve it
1: yeah, I think that 's an important point. I think it 's something that me and Donna have learned as well is you know is that communication with c- consumers and customers and explaining to them the value of that exchange so we, we want your data, but we're not scrupulously asking for it to sell you, more, sell you more things, you know, like a big club card that's just th- throwing more offers at you. We want your data because actually we want to give you a better service. We want to disrupt the way people are shopping um, and actually find really bespoke, personalised solutions for them. Um, so getting customers' feedback has been a vital part of actually learning and growing our business, um, the tech side and, and all our communication side as well.
0: Is there a method that you do that? So, is you know, I saw that I think it was a video that was put up on one of your LinkedIn's um, of you know one of your customers who, who you know st- sat there and was like you know this is now, the technology has taught itself you know what my style is and I love that you know is it just going out there and perhaps on your Facebook page or through social media and asking your customers like what strategies do you, do you use? Yeah.
2: Yeah. To begin with, it was it was mm. that. To begin with, it was looking at social media if we're allowed and, and what do the customer wear however now it's actually a case of, of you know in essence a bit of machine learning so really using what our customers are returning and what they're keeping and all the similarities between these people what, what are you more likely to buy or reject um, so it started off as yes we're going to look at these customers um, but now no it's gotten pretty intelligent and it's all based on feedback effectively
1: yeah. And the, yeah, and at the beginning, when we were putting the very, very bare bones and, you know, the first iterations of, of the software together, it was just ask. And whether that was called the, ten, the last 10 customers that purchased with us this week or, you know, our, our, our most purchasing customers or the least purchasing customers, depending on, you know, what we wanted to find out. It, it's just about calling them up. People actually love giving advice that's you know something else we've learned is people actually are really happy to help there's been so many times i've emailed people because we didn't know something and as first-time founders we're quite happy to admit we do not know everything you know um but just say can i have can i grab a coffee and ask for your advice for someone that that knows how it's done and customers are the same they don't mind if you just call them up and say listen it's levi from enclosed i need to understand what happened when you were using the website did you enjoy it or did you not And they're really happy to give you that time of day. You don't even always have to add a discount or a promo. People want you to
0: be successful. Um, So yeah, just ask. I think that's such a good takeaway that just go out there, ask. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just how this even came about. And it's clear that you've carried that same mentality through your whole business, which is just amazing to see. So where do you guys see Enclothed going now? So you guys are quite big already you know what's next for you guys
2: i think there's still a lot of growth to be had um in the uk but also outside the uk now um but for us it is that that technology and that data set that we're building i think there's this huge potential there um and other other types of services women's wear kids wear um as well so there's a there's a lot to be done still
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing a complete shift in 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 the market. Anyway, we've got you know um, Amazon bringing out their Amazon Wardrobe. We've got ASOS bringing out try before you buy. I think a lot of people are catching on to the fact that consumers are now wanting a more bespoke way of shopping because, like Donna was saying, our belief is that you know traditional retailing isn't the most personal. You walk into a store and it's filled with different outfits, filled with different sizes, filled with different mannequins, and we feel that you might as well be saying to the customer, well, good luck in the next half an hour finding something that fits you, is in your size, that you like, and within budget. Um, and for us, it's about, it's about making that really easy. Um, so I think, you know, f- for me and Dana as founders, world domination is probably the long-term goal. You know, who can say, you know, we want to be out there, we want to be the Amazons of the world 100% one day. Um, but as it stands, we take it every day at the time and we're perfecting the men's market. And then hopefully perfect other markets as well one day in different territories. Who
0: knows? Love that. Love the vision, guys. I have no doubt that I'll be reading about you again in, in several years' time. Um, so I'd like to wrap up now and just really appreciate the work that you've done and that you're doing. It's so cool to see you know, people our age going out there and just creating, creating awesome things and, and making a real difference. So I really want to congratulate you both on that. Uh, of course. Um, now to our final question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
2: Happiness. <laughs> Happiness. Happiness. <laughs> Isn't nice that everyone's end uh, goal in life? It's mine. Happiness.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, or fulfilment, I suppose. I- Oh, it's a tough
1: question. I can see why you ask it. We're looking at each other. No one can see us, but yeah, we're looking at each other. But I agree with Don. I think happiness and whatever makes you happy. So for some people, like you know, for for me personally, that's that's challenging myself and learning. You know, I like I like to just get out there and and see if I can you know be better at things and and do things differently and learn new things. Um, And it depends, really, I suppose, what you're what you're passionate about. But yeah, Hmm.
0: love it. Thank you so much for, for taking the time today, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people learn more about you and Enclothed?
2: Please visit us. <laughs> <laughs> and the website? Yeah, www.enclothed.co.uk. Yeah, so any men listening, if they need a great box of clothes, you
1: know, let a stylist put one together. They can all be dressed <laughs> dapper. But yeah, no, come to the website. Um, yeah, or Twitter. We're at Enclothed on Twitter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need
2: inspiration, look amongst your peers.